0: The epistle reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 4, and will serve as the sermon text for today. What, then, shall we say, was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I couldn't help but smile to myself this morning as Vicar Rob announced what the theme of this morning's message would be, and a great many spouses looked at their husband and or wife and said, uh, and in their eyes said, this one is for you. (laughs) We love to be right, don't we? We love to be right, regardless of our position on any number of issues. We like to be right. And we can justify our position all day long. We can justify our actions. The ends justify the means, right? But justification with God is different. Paul teaches that we are justified, made right with God, not by our actions. If we are justified by our actions, then no one would have a chance. In fact, it's the sinner who repents and believes in the forgiveness earned by Jesus who is counted as being righteous, Paul teaches. But before we go around throwing all kinds of church words into the air, let's start defining some of them. At least this word justification. What does it mean to be justified? Right, justified is this legal metaphor that's borrowed from the justice system. It's to declare just, to declare innocent, to say that there is no more guilt. This person is made right. We all like to be right. Maybe even we have a need to be right. After all, we were created Right. We were created without any sin. And humanity is longing to get back to that state of rightness. We can't be fully human without it. That's why we see immediately after the fall, we see Adam trying to make himself right. It was the woman you gave me. It was her fault. I'm justified We instinctively seek to build a case, to build our own rightness in front of God based on how we live our life. But how is somebody justified? And that's really the the heart and soul of the question of this text this morning. And fortunately, Paul gives us a couple of case studies in Abraham and in David and in the interest of time. It's fantasy football season, after all. I'm just going to use Abraham. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? It's very interesting to me to think about how God made himself known and his will known to Abraham in such a way that would bring so much incredible, radical change into Abraham's life let's do a quick recap right think of Abraham God tells Abraham leave everything everything you know all of your family and just go okay where you want me to go I'll let you know when you get there okay God says I'm gonna make for you an entire nation of people when when You'll know it when it happens. When it does, I'm going to ask for you to give up your son. Why would you do that? Oh, just trust me. It'll turn out okay. And Abraham is asked by God over and over and over again to do ridiculously crazy things. And he just goes along with it. Every step along the way. We don't get any of those inner thought thought bubbles that pop over his head thinking, boy, I wonder how God's going to do it this time. So we don't really know what's going on in his heart and in his head, but he continues to follow God faithfully, right? And I think it's easy for us to forget that there's this one very, very important aspect of what's happening here god is talking to abraham that means abraham has the word of god being infused into his life and the word of god not only instructs us and guides us and leads us through life but it empowers us to do so But unlike anybody else's word that maybe can inspire or encourage or suggest, God's word both commands and then empowers that command to happen. His word carries so much more than anyone else's. Abraham believes, but before he can believe and have faith, he first hears. Remember, faith comes by hearing. So how then is Abraham justified? That's the question that I want us to look at. And before we get to the right answer today, I want to take a look at two wrong answers. And and not because we want to just beat a dead horse, but because if we really are honest with ourselves, sometimes it's easy for us to get tempted to believe these wrong answers. Wrong answer number one. Abraham is credited with this righteousness because he lived a great life. For if Abraham, Paul says, was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Now some of us, at least those of us who are competitive or even just driven, we long for our accomplishments to be acknowledged and rewarded. Friday, this could not be more true for me. Friday was the Sean Metcalfe Golf Tournament, right? And it is one of the greatest, one of the greatest inventions by God, the golf scramble. And I have to confess to you with full humility, I was golfing the best game of my life on Friday, I was golfing out of my mind. I could drive that ball straight as an arrow down the fairway, further than I've driven before, only to have my teammates, all of them, drive it straighter, longer, and farther than me. (laughs) But I didn't have to golf from my ball. I golfed from the best ball. The beauty of the scramble is that that best ball was credited to me as my drive. It wasn't my work. It wasn't my effort. But we are competitive, right? We long for our acknowledgement, our just due. Wouldn't it be amazing if God came to us and said, Yes, Tig, you are so much better than most people. I mean, let's be honest. You're better than most. You, Tig, you get an upgrade. If this is a plane that is headed to heaven, you get upgraded from economy all the way up to first class, baby. Except the reality is, is the stewardess comes to me in first class and goes, actually, sir, this this seat's for somebody else, and there's only one seat left, and it's in the lavatory. And sometimes in our pride, that's the place that we find ourselves. And then sometimes it's the exact opposite, right? Sometimes we, we think that because of our works, there's absolutely no way in the world that God could ever be pleased with us. The mistakes that we've made, the past that we've lived, it just has to, it just has to have this message that the steward comes to us and says, I'm sorry, you can't even fly standby. Everything's full. Who could possibly boast before God? And yet sometimes we do boast in front of God. And maybe, maybe your boasting is a little bit more on the subtle side. Maybe you don't go before God and say, I have been so good, aren't you pleased with me? Maybe you boast in front of God like Job did. Right? Job's boasting before God took a little bit of a subtle spin. Instead of him boasting before the God of how great he has been, Job takes a look at the brokenness, the hurt, and the loss that he's encountered in his life, and he goes before God and says, I don't deserve this. I deserve better. Have you ever told God that? Why are you letting this happen, God? You know I deserve more. You know I deserve better. Surely our place in God's family, our good lives, our activity in the church, the fact that we've been baptized and confirmed and married and everything so far except for buried in the church, certainly that's got to give us at least some upgrade in this life. And yet, Paul says, let him who boasts Boast in the Lord. See, the only room we have for boasting in this life is not before God, but about God. If there's any boasting to be done about my own life, it's only about what God has done despite the actions that I am guilty of. We have nothing to boast about. Paul lifts up Abraham again as not being justified by his works. Scripture proves over and over again in the Old Testament that Abraham was anything but a perfect man. In fact, in all of his journeying as God is leading him to his promises, Abraham is filled with fear. And every time he comes across somebody of power, he convinces that person of power to keep him safe By claiming that Sarah, his wife, is his sister. does that? Not a righteous man. And yet Abraham is not a righteous man because of his actions. It's not by works that we are declared just before God. Well, maybe it's this second answer that we are justified before God, that that God gives us this amazing gift of faith and then empowered by this faith and empowered by His power from on high, we have this ability now to live a transformed life, right? Because Jesus' Spirit is, is filling in us, we have the capacity now to live better, to do better, to be more, to live this transformed life. And that pleases God. Now that you are Christian, now that you know better, now that you are one of His, now you live a better life. You follow the Ten Commandments more closely. Maybe that's what justifies. But then Paul reminds us, How was this righteousness credited to Abraham? Right, Was it it credited to Abraham before or after his circumcision? Because if it was the Spirit of God filling him with faith and, and following through with this circumcision, then that was a work that pleased God. But, hang on. Abraham was credited with righteousness far before he was circumcised. Well, maybe it was by following the law that God laid down. Hang on. If you do your math, in the Old Testament, Abraham is born far, far, far before Moses ever was to come down from Mount Sinai with those Ten Commandments. Abraham's faith predates the law. (laughs) No, there has to be some other way that Abraham was considered righteousness, was considered righteous, right? This, this means that, that it's not just faith that results in right living. Now, though it is true that if we believe God exists and that he deserves our obedience and worship, then, then out of that will flow righteous living, but remember, we have nothing to boast about, if by faith we live God's works and are shown to be righteous, then we would certainly have something to be boastful about. And if that were the case, then that would easily lead to pride of look how good I am today. Sure, I have faith and God has empowered me to be, but look how good I am today. And that's a quick Step across the line into judgment to look at others and go, You are not as good. Now, this too is the wrong answer. This is not how one is justified and made righteous. Let's listen to God's answers. Paul speaking the words of God says this For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And that was counted to him as righteousness. See, Paul redirects his listeners from this flawed logic into the inspired, inerrant word of God. And what does the creator of the universe say about how somebody is justified? The guy who established the entire process set all the rules. What does he say? Because he and he alone has the authority to say so. The word of God that not only defines reality, but it empowers it as well. For what does the scripture say? That word in Greek, that say, is a really interesting word. It means to break the silence. What's the answer, God? How how can I be justified? How can I be righteous? And Scripture says, it enters into the silence of not knowing with the wisdom that comes from on high, with the right answer. Abraham's belief his faith in God was counted to him as righteousness. This idea of having something else counted as righteousness, that his faith is counted as righteousness. This is like a rent-to-own home, right? If you are renting to own all of your payments for the first however many years that you've been in that home are first considered rent payments. That home is not yours. It is the owner's. You are just paying to stay there and nothing more. But if at any point in time, At any point in time, you change your mind to say, I no longer want to be a renter. I want to own this home. I want to purchase this home so that it is mine. The generous owner says, all of those payments you've made so far, that you made as rent payments, I am going to credit them to you as mortgage payments." I'm going to change the definition of what you have done to declare it to be something else. And that's what God does with our faith. He says, this faith that you have in me, not just a mere belief that I exist, not just an acknowledgement of my promises, but a faith that has grown in you by the power of the Holy Spirit and has formed you with this ability to grasp those promises that I have given to you, to never leave you or forsake you, to be with you always, to forgive. That faith, I am going to consider, I am going to declare, I am going to say, and break the silence of your guilt, I am going to say that faith, I will now consider to be righteousness. And not just any old righteousness. I'm going to consider that to be the righteousness of my son that blameless lamb of God who sinned not one single time in his entire life was perfect and holy, that righteousness, I'm going to wrap around you. I'm going to consider your faith that righteousness and you are made right in my eyes. But what about faith apart from works? Right, James gets to the heart of that matter, doesn't he? That he says faith without works is what? Is dead. So, Pastor Tighe, where does this works come into play? How do I know? Well, a Christian who stops working... And it reveals that there's no faith there to begin with. That we as Christians, we, we stop working to be saved, but we don't stop working. <laughs> right, we continue to do what God has declared us to be. And so somebody who has faith in Christ, somebody who has been declared righteous who has been made right which is what justification means to begin with just naturally has to do good works because it flows from them and because faith is present absolutely everything that person does is considered good work from washing the dishes to taking out the trash is a good work because it's done in faith not for the purpose of salvation, but because of salvation, a person does work. I'd like you to think about this in this coming week, in different ways that you have tried to to put yourself in a good place with God, maybe by your actions, your thoughts, your deeds. And I want you to remember, I want you to remember that God declares your faith as your righteousness. You don't have to justify yourself before him. So in your your lunch rooms, your your time that you spend with family or friends, a conversation that I encourage you to, to raise up is this weekly awakening question for this week. And here it is. Have you tried, how have you tried to justify your place before God? How have you tried to justify yourself before God? It's a good thing for us to chew on. And then as you share that answer, I want you to remember that regardless of your answer to that question, you are justified purely, purely by faith alone. And may this bring you a peace that passes all understanding in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.